the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. With Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And we are so happy today to have the lovely Dina in-house uh, sitting in for Larry, who's taking a little time off, doing some fun stuff this time around. Yeah. He's always doing fun stuff, though. So. Yep. So it's summer's, good to have you. Summer's a good time to go go do all those those family-type things and vacations and beaches and all that hoo-ha. Yeah. So, How come so I don't get to do that? I'm going to try to do that soon. I think you should. Yes. I think you should. Thanks for your permission. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I bless the vacation. <laughs> Thank you very much. So how are you? What's going on? Oh, not much going on here. Enjoying the summer like everybody else. Yeah. Just kind of relaxing and trying, trying, to, to, yep. trying to figure things out. How are things in the money world? Well, in the money world, we're we're still we're we're still moving forward. Going to give a little bit of an update there. Going to talk about some things that that we've been hearing in the news, and and just talk about money and and your pocketbook today. That's good. And, yeah, That'd be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit of educational stuff. We're going to talk about the debt versus the deficit. I hear a lot of talk in in professional circles, and certainly. Our, a lot of our clients are concerned about those two things, and I find that there's quite a lot of confusion between the two terms. So I'd like to clear some of that up today. I tell you, seeing the deficit, have you ever seen the deficit monitor online where it just talking, yes, it's and the like clock, and it just keeps rolling. It's really fast. It just keeps rolling. So That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Um, going to talk about uh, oh, just lots of things, and of course, going to take your calls, any questions that you have on. The markets, the economy, your own personal financial plan. Be happy to take those calls as well this morning. All right, so let's jump right into it. Okay, so this past week, going to update you on the markets. The Dow closed the week at 25,058. That's up just a smidge for the week. The Dow is up 1.37% so far for the year. The S&P closed at 2801, uh, flat for the week, up 4.8% so far for 2018. The NASDAQ is our big winner this year. The NASDAQ closed at 78.20. The NASDAQ is up over 13% so far for 2018. Wow, I so, wish I would have backed the truck up early. Well, you know, and that's the thing. People will say that to me. They'll say, wow, I should have just put all my money in the NASDAQ. Of the three indices, the NASDAQ is the most volatile. Mm-hmm. It is a very technology-heavy index. So when you when you break from diversification and you say, hey, I'm going to throw all my eggs in this basket, maybe you win that bet and maybe you don't, but it certainly increases the volatility. 
One interesting thing that I've learned over the years in investing, you don't have to get the highest of a market high if you don't get the lowest of the market low. Volatility matters. Mm -hmm. So in calculating your returns and in looking at the amount of money that you expect to have to retire on or to send your kids to college on, that volatility is going to dictate in large measure how much money you end up with. I have clients who will say to me, so what's your average rate of return since you've been since you've been investing or since you've been working with clients? And I'll ask them, why do you care? Why does that matter? Hmm. Because average rates of return don't tell me much. And average, let's let's pretend. Depends on so, when you got in and things of that nature, right? Well, it depends on the volatility. It depends on what's the highest number in my average and what's the lowest number in my average. Mm -hmm. Because the wider the spread between that highest number and that lowest number, the less money you have in the end. Okay, that makes sense. I want, I want as little spread between the high and the low as possible. That spread is volatility. So, sorry, off off topic slightly, but it's a little bit of a math lesson. I don't need the highest market high if I don't get the lowest market low. So, back to your comment, wow, wish I would have backed the truck up to the NASDAQ on January 1st. Sure you do. We all do. But in the absence of the crystal ball telling us to do that, a diversified portfolio is our best way to minimize the spread between the high and the low. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the, what I hear all the time that Larry talks about is you need to outpace taxes and inflation. That's the big thing, right? You do. And if you don't outpace taxes and inflation, you will have a, a, a lesser standard of living down the road. Mm-hmm. Now, we've, we're living in a really neat time right now. Inflation is low. Interest rates are still low. It's, it's, it's nice. But think back to the 80s. In the 80s, the average rate on a mortgage was 16%. <laughs> you know, and, and what are the chances that we return to one of those high inflationary periods like the the 80s? I don't know the answer to that. Well, I hope the Fed has learned some lessons over the years well, about how to kind of keep that under control. Well, they certainly have, and and especially since the, the bottom of the, the – quote, great recession, you know, that, that 08 global economic crisis that we all lived through, lived through and, and still bear the scars to some oh, measure. Yeah. You know, uh, there were a lot of measures that were put in place as a result of that to hopefully lessen the chance that we have to go through another one of those. But 08 aside, recessions are a normal part of an economic cycle. If I go back and I look historically at what at what the economy has done over decades of time i see numerous recessions they just all aren't as as long or as painful as what we dealt with in 08 do you think we'll ever see those high housing prices again i know a lot of folks they refinanced at the top of that and they ended up really underwater and is there a chance they're going to get their money back at some point you know it's it, it yeah, is there a chance? Of course there is. Sure, of yeah. course there is. We, Depending on where you live, of course, here in the D.C. metro area, we've definitely got housing prices that are oh. are higher than they were at the worst. And, and certainly the growth since the worst of that market is reminiscent of what we saw prior to the recession. 
So is, is there a chance people can recoup? Yes. I think we're all going to be a little bit smarter and a little more cautious about using our homes as a checkbook from mm-hmm. now on mm-hmm. because that's what was happening. You know, we got lulled into this false sense of security that housing prices can only go up. Well, we learned in the 80s that that wasn't true. We had two or three decades of of forgetfulness, <laughs> and then we went through it again. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hopeful that this time uh, consumers as a group will look at this and say, oh, I'm not going to go there again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, housing prices are definitely, especially in this area, coming back um, and continue to do so. Part of that is because interest rates are very, very low still. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because we don't have a ton of inventory available on the market, especially in houses that are already built. We don't have a ton of people like you or me saying, oh, I'm going to sell my house and move to a new one. Mm -hmm. There's lots of new construction happening, but no existing homes or I'll say very few existing homes on the market for sale. So that tends to drive prices up. So the interest rates are starting to come back up. And if if you were a homeowner that is kind of upside down, would you bring money to the table now and try to get that uh, that interest rate where it is? Or do you think that they're going to be coming way up at some point? I don't think that interest rates uh, are going to go way up. I think we're probably, if I if I had to guess, if I had to to pull out my my marginally functional crystal ball, <laughs> I, yours is better than mine. Maybe, <laughs> well, uh, depending on the day. Okay? Yeah, okay, magic eight ball is Dina's crystal ball working? <laughs> Maybe. A- answers point to no. Um, the. I think we've got two more interest rate hikes this year, and the Fed has been very, very, uh, very slow in their pace of these rate hikes. So I think we're probably going to get another two quarter percentage point rate hikes this year, maybe in September and December. That's my best guess. Two or three rate hikes in 2019. And past that, the Fed's not making a whole lot of projections And that tells me they're looking to the next recession. They're looking to an economic slowdown here in the United States. So what does that mean for housing prices? What does that mean for mortgage rates? I think a year from now, mortgage rates are either three-quarters of a point or a full percentage point higher than they are today. Mm. So for for reference sake, I refinanced my home back in April at four and a half. So if I know, if if I feel confident that rates are going to be a percentage point higher this time next year, we're looking at five and a half. So still historically low. Mm -hmm. I bought my first house in 1995 and my mortgage rate was seven and a quarter. We haven't seen seven and a quarter in a very long time. No, we really haven't. And I don't think in this cycle, I don't think we're going to see that. I think we may cap out at five and a half, maybe five. And then we're going to see the economy start to slow down. I'm not predicting gloom and doom here. I'm predicting a normal economic slowdown that is just part of the cycle. We've been in an expansion for nine years. Yeah, the economy's been burning pretty hot. It really has. Well, uh, J.P. Morgan calls it a healthy tortoise. We haven't been off to the races with this. It has been a slow but steady move forward economically. And that's been really good for us. If you think back to the the 0809 time frame when interest rates dropped to near zero, everyone in my industry was predicting this tsunami of inflation, this runaway 
just just powerful wall of inflation that we would have a hard time coming back from. It has not been that at all. It has been a very slow progression forward. Unemployment has slowly come down over the last nine years. Inflation has come up a tiny bit. The Fed's mandate was 2% inflation. We're finally there. Mm -hmm. It's taken us this long to get there. So the tsunami of inflation that was predicted nine years ago hasn't materialized, and thankfully not, because that would have been sort of a a one-two punch on an already stinging populace, right? Oh, no, we just went through this horrid recession, and now prices are running away, and we can't afford anything. (laughs) So thankfully, we didn't have that. The next recession, I think, is going to be mild. I call it a garden-variety recession. Um, back to your your question on housing, as the interest rates go up, that causes housing prices to moderate. Because remember, with a higher interest rate, the payment goes up and how much you can afford comes down. That's going to impact how much a seller can get for their house. And or how many houses will be rebuilt and lots of different things, the trickle-down effect. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, if I had to guess, I would say sometime in late 2019, early 2020, we'll start seeing the signs of an economic slowdown. Again, not predicting gloom and doom, just looking at the normal cycle in our, in our economy and saying, wow, this has been a really long expansion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's time to take a breather. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to us today here. Deanology is in the house. Dean is uh, wonderful to have you here. And uh, she's taking your questions. So here's the phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions for Dina here this morning, our financial and retirement expert in studio. We'll be back in just a moment with more. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. wanted to be part of something big nonprofit organization called stars children africa do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise now you can be part of something that brings hope what we do is we actually pay for the school fees for about the cost of a new suit you can change an orphan's future for a whole year we pay for the school fees and that averages around 500 to 550 dollars a year total that means food lodging the teaching the education part the the uniform that whole thing call now 703-201-2494 or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. Thank you so much for joining us for the Larry Rosenthal Show. Dina is in the house here celebrating and taking care of. Uh, she's doing a little dance with that uh, wonderful music. I want my own theme song. Oh, we've got to work on that. Yeah. we got to work on that. What would you like it to be? What genre would you like to have? It's got to be 80s music. 80s music. Okay. It's got to be. All right. Sounds good. 
Producer, get on that. Oh, I'm, I am. <laughs> you I are am, the producer. producer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that happen quick. <laughs> you know, it, last week was an interesting week. Lots and lots of, of economic and market news out there. And one of the biggest bits of financial news last week was Amazon Prime Day. Oh, yeah. 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 I saw that. It was a huge hit. I don't know if you if you were trying to shop on Amazon using your Prime membership or not, but it was such a big hit that the website was down. There were all sorts of glitches. Uh, I, I found it difficult. You know, I, I, I'm a geek about these things. I set a reminder <laughs> on my phone that Prime, you know, Prime Day started at 3 o'clock yeah. on the 16th, and I'm, I'm logging in, and I can't do anything. I was so frustrated. Little, little disclaimer here. None of us have stock in Amazon and, or anything. Oh, like none that. of that. None of that. I'm just, I'm just a... Hopeless, hopelessly addicted internet shopper, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed to say that online, am I? Um, anyway, it, Prime Day was a big hit, and the fun p- bit of that is that Amazon Prime Day was bigger than Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Oh, that's that's amazing. It is. Yeah. I saw that little tidbit, and I'm like, wow, they sold a hundred million pieces of things. You know, a hundred million widgets. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, you know, it's something to consider because the brick-and-mortar sc- uh, stores, they're kind of making a bit of a paradigm shift. They're trying to do the online thing as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can get your things from the brick-and-mortar stores just as quickly over the Internet. So yeah. it's kind of neat. You know, I used to be a power shopper. I used to get so excited when I would go to a city with a big mall. We need to talk to Loverboy and see if that's a used to be still. Is it? He might still have some. I'm of that not going. sure if he's listening. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to say no, it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> okay. Although, <laughs> I will say, I went home to visit my family out of state a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he, <laughs> he sent me a message one day. He says, you've got 48 packages. What have you been doing? <laughs> oh, man. Now, it wasn't 48 packages. Loverboy was exaggerating, exaggerating okay. slightly. Yes. But, um, no, it, I find it very interesting. I used to love going to the mall mm. and shopping and finding the thing that I that I wanted or needed, but... The internet shopping is just so much more convenient and so uh, much less time-consuming. And with life as busy as it is, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think internet shopping's going away by any stretch. And of course, now you've got retailers like Amazon that'll drop stuff on your porch the same day. Isn't that exciting, though? I love coming home and seeing a package on my porch. I really do too. <laughs> it's just something neat. I really I feel do good too. About it. Anyway, yeah. Amazon Prime Day was a big hit, and and that is is part of why you see Amazon stock so expensive. I haven't checked it in, in the past couple of days, but it was nearing $2,000 a share Ooh, wow. for Amazon stock. So if you're an investor and you're interested in a stock like Amazon, but you feel priced out of it, keep an eye on it. Sometimes companies will do what's called a stock split to make the stock more affordable. Mm-hmm, so more people can buy. That's right. So let's let's pretend we're talking about Amazon stock, and for easy math, we'll say it's 2000 a share. Mm-hmm. Let's say that Amazon wants to do a four-for-one stock split. What that means is for current investors who own the stock, for every single share that they have, now they're going to have four, but the price of the stock is going to be cut in by, a, by mm-hmm. three quarters. So if it's a if it's two thousand a share now, it'll go down to five hundred. And for those of you who own shares, that doubles your. your it'll quadruple the shares. Yeah, yeah. You'll get four times the shares, but the value doesn't change. Right. It brings more. It, it makes the stock more available to other investors. It makes it more affordable. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in some of those high flying stocks, keep an eye out. Set yourself little reminders on they your will split at some on point. your phone. Yeah. They a lot of times they do. Mm-hmm. 
companies like to attract investors. I know Apple's done that a few times over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots and lots of companies use stock splits to bring more investors to the table. Makes sense. This past week, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell told lawmakers the economy is strong, and because of that, more interest rate hikes are likely. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The Fed's not going to raise interest rates if the economy can't withstand it. If the economy's not moving forward, if GDP isn't increasing, there's no need to raise those rates. I know a lot of investors get a little spooked when they hear that the Fed's raising interest rates. It's a positive reflection of the economy. Don't let it spook you. It does kind of make the uh, market get a little bit fuzzy for a couple of days until it kind of sometimes, settles out. Sometimes it does. It's, it's interesting because if you'll think back to the first of the year, the, the market was up 6% in January alone. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of January, something happened, and it caused the market to sell off. Do you know what that something was? I don't remember. We got economic data that was too good. <laughs> and it sold off because people were taking profits? It sold off m maybe in part because people were taking profits, but the bigger, the bigger fear behind that stellar economic data was, oh, no, now the Fed's going to raise interest rates even higher. The party's coming to a close. Mm. So I'm going to sell all my stuff off because I believe the market's going to go south from here. And, and uh, again, understand what I'm saying. That's what the investing public at large perceived in that very, very good economic data. And it didn't turn out to be true and started to come back a little bit more and a little bit more, right? We've, we've had some, some volatility up and down, up and down ever since. Mm. We've, we had that stellar economic data. Then think back, there was the threat of some sort of military action with North Korea. Oh, wow, yeah. And then we had the threat, the ongoing fear of trade war with China, which is still front and center in our minds as investors. Mm -hmm. So the North Korea threat has died down. We've still got the worry over a trade war with China. But behind all of that, we've got corporate profits that are 20% <laughs> year over year versus this same time last year. So if we can get some sort of resolution on the tariff idea, I think investors will return their thoughts to corporate profits and following the Fed a little more closely. But right now, um, uh, right now, that's those are the things that are sort of uh, injecting volatility into this market and making it not as fun a market as it was last year. Mm -hmm. Still a positive market. I think we still get positive returns this year, but a little bit harder. So what would you say to the average investor uh, that uh, is kind of listening to you and, and wondering how they should handle their portfolio and what they should do? The very first thing I would tell any investor right now is to understand how much risk you have. How often do I talk about this? Risk is time. important. As I was talking about when the show first opened, understanding the volatility, the, the difference between the highest high and the lowest low, the, the diversification in your portfolio allows you to keep a handle on that. It allows you to control that. In a very, very volatile market time as we've got right now, when things are a little more uncertain because of trade wars and tariffs and rising interest rates, it's important to get an evaluation of the risk that you bear as an investor. If you're invested in the market, I don't care how conservatively you think you're invested, you still have risk. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand how much. A good risk evaluation is going to tell you, hey, 95% of the time, this is what your range of returns will be. 
This is what your potential highest high is. This is what your potential lowest low is. And as an investor, if you don't like it, you can change it. Hmm. Now, if you're just getting started as an investor, you're just kind of getting understanding some of the things that we're talking about here today. One of the best ways to get started and kind of get a a level playing field is that financial planning toolkit that you guys give out. Absolutely. The financial planning toolkit is your way to get organized. You, you, so many of us have, have busy lives. We've got families, we've got jobs, we've got extended family that maybe they're local and they need more help. Life is really, really full right now. And the things that get pushed on the back burner quite often are the financial planning pieces, the investment pieces, Mm -hmm. the budgeting pieces. The financial planning toolkit will bring all of that to the forefront. It'll give you a focus, a a way to say, okay, here are the things that matter. Here are the financial bits of my life that I need organized in in one place. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming weeks-long project. If you're focused, you can sit down and probably knock it out in an hour. It's just a matter of being focused and understanding which pieces of the puzzle need to be gathered all in one place. If you do nothing more than organize the finances once a year, at least you know what you've got. But the big bang for the buck on this financial planning toolkit is using that as the basis for a financial plan for you and your family. Mm -hmm. The financial plan not only analyzes where you are today, but it takes a look and says, okay, if you keep doing what you're doing right now, what's the likely outcome? As I said with the portfolio risk, if you don't like it, you can change it, Mm -hmm. right? If you put together your financial plan and you don't like the trajectory that you are on, discuss with your financial planner how to change it. What are the things that we need to do to make the picture prettier? I I hate to use this old adage, but I think it's important when you really think about planning and saving is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Well, you do. And so many of us, we don't think of it in those terms. We just think of uh, when when life slows down, I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, (laughs) the more I realize life just doesn't slow down. Things things don't slow down. There's always something uh, vying for your time. So in in my mind, the fi- the family's financial health and well being that needs to be a top priority. If it's not the number one priority, that's okay. But it needs to be up there. I'm going to say in the top five. Mm-hmm. What about this concept of making sure that you pay yourself first as well? Isn't that really important? That's that's a basic basic bedrock of financial planning and so many of us are doing that and not realizing what we're doing if you are contributing to a 401k plan or the government thrift savings plan or you're a teacher and you're contributing to a 403b plan that's paying yourself first Mm -hmm. that money comes out of your paycheck and into that retirement plan before you ever even see the paycheck Mm -hmm. so that in fact is paying yourself first the big deal there is that you're your most important creditor You have a lifespan. You've got a timeline during which you're going to need money to put food on the table, keep the lights on, take care of your health, and and do some other things. And if you're not paying yourself first, where's that money going to come from? So be on your be on your own case, I guess you could say. Tell yourself first off, I need to pay this bill first, which is me. That's right. Care of myself. That's right. It's not selfish. It is practical. It is wise planning. Now, when you're thinking about your savings, um, which is paying yourself first, you're putting that mostly in savings and investments. What's the percentage? Are there any strategies that you need to work on? So, I had a client ask me this very, very recently. She said, 
um, she said, you know what, my husband and I have just had a baby. We're, we're really hyper-focused on this because we want to make sure that we do the right things for him. How much should we be saving? Mm-hmm. And I told her this. I said, okay, this is going to be a shocking target for you, but it's a target. It's something to move toward. I don't expect you to flip the switch in a day. But if you are saving 20% of what you make, you're not ever going to be poor. Wow. That's a high bar, and I know that it is. All right? I, I don't think that you're going to meet your financial goals and live the kind of life you want to live at 5%. I don't think that's doable. The problem becomes, as, as with this client and her, her new child and, and growing family, in the early years, it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're buying a house. You're buying diapers. You're buying formula. You're paying daycare. You're doing all these things that cost oodles of dollars. I remember those days. Oh, uh, yeah. A long time back. I, I, I am very keenly aware of those days. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, you know, it's, it's a target. The 20% number is a target because the reality is maybe you can only save 5% right now. Mm. Maybe a year from now, your 401k plan's got this neat little automatic increase thing that you don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. A lot of plans have it now. You can program your 401k to go up 1% in a year. Hmm. You don't have to think about it. It just automatically does it. A lot of the plans have that kind of feature right now. So maybe this time next year, you're at 6%. This time two years from now, maybe you're at 7%. Mm -hmm. It's a progression. I understand that most people, especially starting out, 20% is an unfathomable target. But she asked for a target, and I gave her one. (laughs) gave her one. Well, it's important to really start thinking about this stuff. And if you don't have a financial plan, really just dial this phone number, 855-767-3123. There's no real you know, risk in doing that, and it's certainly not going to cost you a boatload of money up front. You guys are very careful about making sure that you take care of people. The, the important thing, and, and one of the philosophies that drew me to Rosenthal Wealth Management Group, because as you know, I was at one of the big Wall Street firms before mm-hmm. I came here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that really drew me here is, is the philosophy that everyone, deserves good financial planning if you've got millions and millions of dollars I don't think you need me nearly as badly as someone who's struggling to pay their bills day to day well maybe if you have millions and millions of dollars you started thinking about having a financial plan some time ago uh, I yeah I Most maybe maybe but but my point being if your dollars are are harder to come by if your dollars are fewer we need to make the most of those in a way that that uh, uh, that is more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Um, financial planning is not this big, expensive thing that is only for the uber wealthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I believe financial planning is for everyone because it helps you avoid the pitfalls. It helps you to look ahead and say, what are the things that can derail us on, on our way to our plans? I think the biggest thing is peace of mind. You know where things are and where things are going every month, and you don't have to worry so much about And you have an emergency plan. You have some contingencies. you got all that stuff built in. Yes, a, a good financial plan is going to show you a, a best-case scenario. Hey, if life is rosy and nothing bad ever, ever happens, and you and your spouse die at 95 years old in your sleep holding hands, here's what life looks like. Awesome. Yeah. And if some of the bad stuff happens along the way, here's here's what that potentially looks like, and here's how you protect your family against that. 
And just think if you're a good steward with your money over all of these years, what you can give back, what kind of a legacy you can leave. Otherwise, you may not have that opportunity. And and that's one of my favorite conversations with my clients because so often I'm sitting with a client and their financial plan is fully funded. We've protected against the big bad things in life and their surplus. Then we get to start talking about, wow, what 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 do I think God wants me to do with this? Wow. What what do what can I do to make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. And that's that's wonderfully gratifying, and it's an exciting part of financial planning. Mm. Well, there's going to be more here in just a minute. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation with Dina here this morning for Larry Rosenthal at 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE123. Give us a call, and we'll talk to you. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina in the house today, taking your calls at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, and we're pleased to bring on board here with us this morning, Dave from Columbia. Dave, uh, well, if you hit the right button, that would be important here. You got it? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> All right, Dave, welcome aboard. What's your question for Dina? Yes, hi. Uh, on your previous note, can you hear me okay? Loud and clear, Dave. Okay, great. Um, on your previous conversation about savings, I wanted to ask you a question because right now um, I work for the federal government and I do the maximum savings on the TSP, but then I have a, we just had our second kid, so I mean like she's eight months and I have a four-year-old. So I've been starting uh, college savings plans for both of them through the Tiro price. So it's a little difficult now to save with doing my um, maximum on the TSP and all that good stuff and college uh, savings plan, what other efficient ways do you think I should go about um, trying to open up maybe like account? Because I also manage my wife's um, Sapphire and I've been buying stocks and stuff like that because she works for a private 
firm where they don't offer her any kind of um, a 401k. So I, we've been doing pretty well with that. Um, but with uh, with the college savings plan with T. Rowe Price, I know there's a tax benefit. I think it's a state tax benefit from Maryland. Yes. But they don't give you a lot. I mean, the basically it doesn't grow that fast, like buying stocks or anything like that. So what do you suggest? Well, so so the the college savings plans, what are what are termed Section Five Two Nine investment vehicles. You're right. You're not able to go and do as much of the fun stuff there as you are with your wife's SEP. Um, the thrift savings plan doesn't allow you to do what you're doing with your wife's SEP. And a lot of this has to do with risk management, right? Um, in, in a college savings plan, you've got a definite timeline where you're going to need that money. And the, the, the idea that you add a boatload of risk by trading individual stocks, well, they've taken that off the plate for you. They've said, okay, well, here are your investment options, and there's nothing else you can choose from. So um, to offset that a little bit, they're giving you a tax deduction as long as you're uh, a resident of the state of Maryland and you're saving into the Maryland plan. So, right, you've, you've got that. The way that you handle that is going to be through investing more dollars. Um, there's there's not a self-directed option on a 529 plan in Maryland. Um, and, in fact, I'm not sure that there's a self-directed option in any of the plans because they, they mitigate the risk by, by keeping the investment universe clearly defined for you. So what some people do is they will say, okay, I'm putting the max in my thrift savings plan, but I've got to scale back on that so that I can front load the money into the college plan for my kids. So instead of saving uh, 15%, maybe you're only saving 10 The caution that I will give you here is don't ever go below 5% because if you do go below 5%, you're going to give up some of the, the government match on your money. Right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So um, where we've got where we've got finite resources, where we've got a limited amount of money, we've got to we've got to divvy it out, right? We've got to say, okay, this much is going into SEP, this much is going into TSP, this much is going into five two nine. This is where a good financial plan will help you do the math. It'll help you say, okay, this is how much I'm eventually going to need to have saved away for my kids for college. This is how much I need to be saving every single year. This is the rate of return that it needs to get. A financial plan, a good one, is going to give you that level of detail. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. Now, listening, if you're listening today, you can call Dina at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to her about anything related to financial planning. And we'd love to hear from you. Again, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. You know, Dave brought up such a good point. Hey, I'm maxing out my, my retirement plan, but I, I need to save money for my kids. What do I do? This goes back to the previous conversation. You know what? 20% is your target, but you've got to do what you can do. Mm-hmm. If you know that you have $500 a month that you can save, you've got to parse that out. You've got to parse it out for retirement. You've got to parse it out for education. If you have other 
other financial goals in there, you've got to parse some out for that. That's where our value as financial planners really comes into play because we're able to show you the impact of directing the savings in specific chunks to different goals. How much of an importance here is budgeting? Uh, budgeting is, is one of the bedrocks of financial planning. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in and say, yeah, I can save $500 a month, set it up. I'll make whatever adjustment on my end I have to make. And then three months in, they're like, yeah, this. I can't do this. The, I, I overshot it. Mm -hmm. So budgeting on the front end is is a critical uh, foundation of the financial plan. We've got to know what you can do in order to show you what's possible. So what's the best way to set up a budget? I know that's a big topic. I am so old school about setting up a budget. I take it cards and a pen, right? Pretty close. Pretty <laughs> close. I have a little spiral bound notebook and I have my clients write down what they spend every single day for three months. Then we get really high tech and we put it in a spreadsheet and Whoa. we categorize it and then we sort it by category. Because in a budget, we need to know what your basic have to expenses are. What are the things that you must pay no matter what? Well, you've got to keep your housing. You've got to keep the lights on. You've got to keep food on the table and gas in the car. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some other basics, but you get my point. What is the bottom line budget? And then what are the nice to have things that you throw on top of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like high speed Internet. Yeah, I like Netflix. Yeah, I like my, my premium movie channels. Okay, you know, what are the things that if life got really hard, you could cut them out? So once we understand that, then we can go through and start estimating what you are able to save on a regular basis and where that savings can go. So budgeting, absolutely critical. What about the use of credit when it comes to credit cards? How, if you're kind of thinking about that, is the best way to approach that? So I've got two schools of thought on this. School of thought number one is don't don't go into debt. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a credit card that you can pay off at the end of every month, fine. That's that's to me no different than using your debit card. Mm -hmm. The money's coming it's in, convenient. the money's going out. The I have a lot of clients and they fall into the second category. Hey, I've got my rewards points or my air miles and oh, I put sure. everything on this air miles card because I use that to defray the cost of travel. Fantastic, yeah, because ultimately that ends up being a money saver for mm -hmm. you. If you can pay off the credit card at the end of every month and you get some sort of benefit from it, like air miles or shopping credits, fine. Um, I don't like using credit as a means of putting gas in the car and food on the table. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes it's, it's necessary. I know sometimes you lose a job and that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. But as a, as a way of life, nope, don't like it. But look into those savings because I know that balance transfers and things of that nature can save you a lot of money over time. And they're still out there. Interest rates are still low enough that companies are sending out 0% balance transfers for 18 months. You know, what if you had to put a roof on the house and insurance didn't cover it all and you had to put a chunk of that on a card? Find one of those 0% offers and pay it off in the allotted amount of time. That's no harm, no foul. I don't like debt that increases what you owe because of the interest. You have to have a mortgage in most cases because most of us can't plop down what it takes to buy a house in this area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But but having revol what I'll call revolving debt, it just puts you further behind. 
Well, if you've got a choice, then obviously you can put the roof on a cr- uh, credit card. You may not be able to pay it off right off the bat. Or you can get a loan. Obviously, you know, something with a lower interest rate is in, in fixed interest is better than having to pay all that interest on the card. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, and I'll have clients call me and they'll say, okay, I, I need to put the roof on the house. Do I use home equity? Do I pay cash for it? Do I throw it on my SkyMiles card? What do I do with this? And we do the analysis. Here's, you know, if you use your home equity, here's the potential interest deduction. If you use your credit card, here's how long it's going to take you to pay it off. Um, If you pay cash, if you're fortunate enough to have the cash in the bank for that, here's the the interest that you forego there, which, by the way, the interest in the bank that you're foregoing Mm -hmm. isn't very much right now. But um, there's always options. And as a financial planner, that's my job. I want clients to come to me with those questions. I want them to say, what's in my best interest? How do I maximize my financial benefit on this particular transaction? Well, what I like about Rosenthal Wealth Management is that if you've got $100 or if you've got $100 million, you get treated well, and they take care of you, and they look at your individual bottom line, and it's important to think about you as a person. Uh, when you're thinking about this, it's not always – it's definitely a de- Rosenthal Wealth. In some firms it is. But at Rosenthal Wealth, it's not. You you don't look at those things as closely. It is. Being at Rosenthal Wealth Management is so different than being at one of the big Wall Street firms. And, And as I said previously, the thing that drew me here was the firm philosophy that everyone deserves good financial planning. Mm-hmm. That was not the philosophy other places I have been. So this is this is a, a great place to land and and certainly if you're looking for a financial planner that is going to take your best interest to heart, give us give us a call. Um, the first the first consultation is at no cost because we need to see if we have the basis for working together. Mm-hmm. But what happens in that first meeting is even if we never see you again, you leave with some ideas to improve your current financial standing. Should everybody have a financial planner? Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't think of Simple anyone. Who, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't benefit from having a financial plan. Mm-hmm. I'm a financial planner, and I have a financial plan. Yeah. What about DIY? What about doing it yourself? You know what? I have met some people along the way who are fabulous do-it-yourselfers, and I give them some ideas. I say, "Hey, have you considered this?" I find that there are some do-it-yourselfers out there who, quite frankly, should be doing what I do. Mm, Um, They're that good. They're that good. Um, There are a lot of people out there who attempt to do it themselves in their spare time, and I find that difficult. I think that there's a lot that that is changing on a daily basis that is hard to keep up with if you don't do this for a living. For the do-it-yourselfers who are cranking it out and, and have all of that information firmly in hand, You've got a financial plan. You've done it yourself. So so why you? I mean, I, I've been in your office, and I've seen that wonderful large plaque on the wall that says Certified Financial Planner. But uh, So I know that it definitely is important to when you're seeking out a financial planner that to, you look for somebody with credentials. But what else? Well, the credentials are certainly important. As a certified financial planner, I have gone through all of the coursework uh, many moons ago. It's been 15 years <laughs> or something like that. Um, nobody's counting. I, I w- well, I was 20 years old when I started. So, wow. Um, <laughs> you believe that, right? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I, as a certified it financial planner. was two years planner, ago? Three years ago, right? Something <laughs> like that, yes. I'm, I'm very young. I'm a prodigy. Um, right. As a certified financial planner, I had to pass uh, competency. I had to pass 
uh, it felt like expertise by the time I was done in cash flow planning, in insurance planning, income tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. I will tell you this. I had a girlfriend who was studying for the bar exam mm. at the same time that I was studying for my certified financial planner exam. I had more books than she did, and my exam was a full day longer. Wow. Wow, so, wow, wow. Okay. So uh, the credentials, they're grueling. They're, yeah. they're very, very grueling. I, I have no shame in saying I had to take that exam twice. Mm. It was that hard. Well, they're like six hours long or something. Is two, it, days. Two, oh, two days. Two days. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> no, too, it's it's too much. So it's, think about doing lot. it. Yours, think about doing it yourself, and then think about why you would not want to. Because there's so much to know that you don't know, and even if you wanted to, you couldn't spend all that time part time learning it. Well, and it changes all the time. One of the biggest changes we've had over the past year was the new tax cut plan, and there were some material changes to our tax law that just got passed in December. I'm still studying up on that stuff. Mm. So it's no risk to you to consider a financial plan. Uh, you can dial this phone number, 855-767-3123. You can dial that during the week. It's 855-ROSE-123. You'll get connected, and you'll get that no-risk first opportunity to find out whether or not you're a good match. And then you can jump into the office and be off and running with a new financial plan, bright yes, and shiny. A shiny new financial <laughs> plan. Absolutely. It's, um, uh, it's a fun thing we do here. It's, it's a helpful Thing that we do here, and, and certainly we enjoy the people who work with us. Um, I've, I've had the joy to see people send their clients, uh, their children to college. I've mm. seen lots and lots of people retire by now. It's, it's a neat, gratifying thing, but I'll tell you what, as fun as those things are, some of the most important work we do is when we have a client whose spouse passes away and they need to navigate all the paperwork and the different survivor options and, and social security and all the different things that seem so overwhelming when you're, when you're facing the loss of a loved one. Some of the most important work we do is helping clients when they're in those hard, hard times. Helping yeah, them. Thinking clearly during those times. It's, it's very hard to. Yeah, and so you, it's nice to have somebody on your side that's mm -hmm. looking out for your interests. That's right. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, dial in if you'd like to. We have a phone line or two available for you at 855-767-3123 to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio today. For Larry, it is Dina, and we appreciate your phone call. Again, 855-767-3123. More in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 
or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina in the house here today, taking your phone calls at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Just a few minutes here left in the show. You can always call in if you have any questions that you'd like to ask. That's right. And if you are on hold right now, don't hang up. I will be right there. We're going to close out the show quickly with a discussion on debt versus deficit because this week, here you go. Here's one for you. This week, the White House projected a $1 trillion budget deficit for the next three years. Mm. That is... How many zeros is that? It's 12. (laughs) 12 zeros. It's 12 zeros. Yeah, yeah. And you think about that, you're like, wow, how, how can... What's the what's the federal checkbook look like if we've got a trillion dollar deficit? Well, when we're when we're looking at government deficits and we're looking at debt, a lot of times that's expressed as a percentage of our GDP, gross domestic product, our productivity as a country. So, if we look at a 1 trillion dollar budget deficit, that's roughly 5% of our GDP. Wow. That doesn't sound awful, but I will tell you, this has only happened twice before. Well, just the interest on that debt is huge. So, I mean, yeah, crazy. Well, we're talking deficit, not debt. Yeah, oh, it's a little different. Two different things. Mm-hmm. So, so let's let's define. Deficit is the checkbook, okay? Am I in red ink or am, am I in black ink? Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I spending more than I'm bringing in? In this case, yes, by a trillion dollars. Wow. Trillion dollars. Debt is... When we owe outstanding bills, think of it as the big government black Amex, okay? And <laughs> the black Amex. Yeah, you know, federal government <laughs> spends a lot of money. They get the they get the elite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lots, so of, lots of points on that. Card. Lots of points. Lots of points. Um, so when we are in debt as a country, uh, have you ever bought Series EE savings bonds? I have not. Okay. Not well, lots of. I have lots of clients who come through who buy the series EE savings bonds. That's debt. That means the government owes you some money in addition to the interest. Mm. So the deficit, we've had been at 5% of GDP twice before when we were coming out of recession in 1983 and unemployment was 10%. And again in the span from 2009 to 2012 when we were coming out of that global financial mm. crisis. So it's only happened twice. And where we are as, as a country and certainly as investors, we look at this and we say, well, how do we fix a deficit? Well, there's two ways. We can either cut the budget mm-hmm. or we can increase revenue, taxes. Ooh. Yes. So that, that's a much longer conversation, but I thought it, it, I thought it warranted a mention because that's, that's a pretty big number. It's a pretty big projection and over time could impact your portfolio could impact your savings. More to come. I'll we'll be, be back, back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that particular thing. But if you keep an eye on it, you have to 
make your eyes move really fast because those zeros keep going up. Well, the good thing is the sky isn't falling. I'm I'm mentioning that today because it was a big bit of news to come out. Right, right. Very important to talk. And you will be with us in a couple of more weeks, so make sure that you're tuned in at that time. 855-767-3123. If you'd like to get started with a financial plan, that's 855-ROSE-123. We appreciate you listening here today for Dina and for Bob in the back. My name is Chris McKay, and we'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Have a great week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.